Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to another episode of Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek broadcast for science fiction, fantasy and horror nerds everywhere. This is episode 442. 42! Ah, we'll get to that a little later. Recorded on Friday the 27th of May 2022, at 23.19.18. Ah, this evening for my tea I had a scrumptious bread pudding that went through me like a dose of salts. Earlier today, (laughs) my digestion's been a bit all over the place today because of a large pie that I ate to accompany watching the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I'll talk about probably on Monday. What an enjoyable lunch. Not so much for my stomach, but for every other part of me. Though one byproduct of such a rich lunch, followed by such entertainment, is I dozed off and I had a nightmare about the Inquisitors. Ah, okay, anyway, let's get back to what we were doing. And as promised, here is the journal entry for the rewatch. <laughs> I am worn out again, you might be able to hear that in my voice, hence the tardiness, which is a word that I don't think I've ever used before. I've only heard it said in American sitcoms. Do you want to hear my excuses? Well, here they are. Let's do this quickly. My mum has glaucoma. It has hopefully stabilised, but at her behest, because glaucoma can be genetic, I had a thorough eye test yesterday at the opticians. I was told something about fluid between the retinal layers. Frankly, the optician was vague. The result of which was an astonishingly rushed hospital appointment today. So that's what I did earlier today. 11 o'clock today, I went to the hospital and had all different things done to my eyes, including shoving some nasty yellow fluid in there and more tests and all sorts of things. The upshot of which is... I'm absolutely fine. But at least now I know. I was told, though, that I now need to have a full eye health pressure test thingamadoodle once a year, forever. Just to keep an eye on my eye. Sorry. I've already mentioned that my auntie died on Monday, so we've been busy with that too, arranging to have flowers sent over. She was, by the way, in her 80s, not her 70s, as I said in 441. We just tend to lose track of things. Ah, I do miss my auntie. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, for those reasons... And also the fact that my migraines have exponentially increased in frequency, writing the show notes for this story was a slog. It has taken me quite a few days to do that. In fact, I just finished the notes a few minutes ago. 
And especially so since it was a six-parter, which I generally don't like, because they tend to be baggy. This one wasn't, but it was still a wade through treacle, recapitulating it, in my own words. And using ten different sources, and then realising that I don't think all the sources are agreeing with each other, and neither am I. Which is something I find frequently doing these recapitulations, that people's memories of what they've seen isn't the same. And then you also have the Wikipedia effect, where one source will copy another source and replicate the error. I really don't know how well I've done this time round, because I did have to rely on all these sources, as well as my own migrainous memory. One final point, really a mini rant. I love Doctor Who, but I'm an adult with adult points of view. However, I do try to counter that with how I imagine a child might watch the show and think about it, not always successfully. I do the same with Star Wars and Star Trek, and all genre entertainment aimed at a younger audience. I am a little less merciful with adult media, but no matter who the target audience is, I am largely grateful that geek fare abounds nowadays. I do remember those terrible drought years of geekdom. Uh, I don't want those days to return. And I always fear they might if toxic fandom doesn't shut their faces. That's the nicest way to say it. Toxic fandom, shut your face. And yes, I also have an agenda to make the world a better place in my own small way. In order to do that, I deliberately support what the right consider social justice warrior fandom. I don't claim in any way to be objective, and I never will. That might surprise listeners who know I'm a miserable git, but at the same time, I'm also weirdly utopian. It does make me laugh when every now and again, a right-winger on Twitter will see me go off on one of my rants and imagine I might be of the same ilk. That's happened a few times, until they start looking through my timeline and think, ah, crap, he's nothing like us at all. (laughs) Okay, lecture over. Also, happy towel day. That was two days ago. And how appropriate it is that we're taping this episode of my revisit of classic Doctor Who. Today, Sharda, written by Douglas Adams, so close to the day dedicated to his memory. It would have been better to record it on the actual day, but again, as I've already said, ill health and a whole load of other things got in the way. However, to celebrate that day, on the day, on the night actually, on the 25th, I started rereading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the first book. 
which is something I haven't done for years and years. I have listened to the radio series multiple times over the years, probably once every year. It's so good. But I haven't reread the books in their entirety. Um, enjoying the first book, I've got to about chapter six. I'm just getting the swing of reading again, because as you may have noticed, this podcast seems to have become a film and TV cast, which it was never meant to be in the first place. I'm definitely enjoying the experience of reading, and I'm noticing a lot of things that I haven't realised for years, because when I first read it, I read it really fast, because it was just so much fun, and now reading it at a slower pace, I'm just noticing bits that I missed before, and yeah, it's just really enjoyable. And not being goggle-eyed looking at the screen as well, that's very relaxing. Especially since I've been having these migraines and whatever eye problems I may or may not be having. Oh yeah, well I actually do have a eye problem, which I've probably mentioned something about eczema or something. I don't know. I've got a lot of problems. I've got a lot of stupid little debilitating problems. Let's just move on and forget about them for now and just enjoy the rest of the show. Oh yeah, and one other weird thing I've noticed, this really should go in Monday's show, but it's so trivial, it's probably not worth adding. If you're in the UK, what is it with all those small but very wiry spiders that are around lately? They're very boingy. I remember encountering them several times. They start off very tiny with bright green abdomens. And then they grow to still being quite small, but having long legs, and they're very thin. But they seem very muscular and active. I mean, they're not sinister in any way. They're quite cute. I'm just wondering what the hell kind of spiders are they, and where are they from? And is this an alien invasion? No, it's probably not an alien invasion. Well, you could call the invasion of spite. It doesn't matter. Let us actually talk about Sharda. As usual, let us start off with some cast crew and production notes. The fourth Doctor is played by Tom Baker's companions, Romana, played by Lala Ward, and K9, played by David Briley. The director was Pennant Roberts, of whom we've talked about before, the writer Douglas Adams, the producer Graham Williams. Regarding locations... This is filmed in and around Cambridge, in multiple places, also Ealing Film Studios, I'm assuming for the space ships and model work, that kind of thing, and BBC Television Centre at Shepherd's Bush, all in 1979. Broadcast. Ah, now here it gets a little complicated. This is classed as weirdly story... 108.5, or Serial 6, and was supposed to be the finale of Season 17. But it was unaired due to delays in production because of industrial action, so instead, The Horns of Nymon, which we talked about in 438, became the actual finale instead. It would have consisted of six 25-minute episodes, 
with the planned broadcast of the first episode on the 23rd of February 1980. However, none of that really happened. Or at least, it didn't happen then. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a bit. As I said in a previous pod that I can't remember, instead of on this day, we're now calling it the Zeitgeist. (laughs) Because it sounds more trendy. I could find very little happening in the UK on that day, but I did find things around the world on that day, such as on the 23rd of February 1980, France blew the crap out of Mururoa Atoll in Polynesia while testing a two-kiloton nuke. But to be fair to France, they were blowing the crap out of the little Polynesian island long before and long after that date as well. Credit where credit's due. Another interesting thing that threatens to turn this into a numerology podcast. The 23rd of February 1980 was today exactly 42 years, 3 months and 4 days ago. 42. So this is episode 442 of my show. Shada was recorded exactly 42 years ago. Sort of. Right, not exactly 42 years ago, but 42 years ago and some months. Let us roll a clip and then I'll tell you what happens. Rolling clip in three, two, one. Look, I hope I'm not taking up any of your uh, valuable... Oh, no. When you get to my age, you'll find the time doesn't matter too much. Ship! Let me out of here! Goodbye, Professor. We'll keep your secret. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that. Okay, here is a potted... Summary of what happens. When I say potted, it's not that potted. There are six episodes and a lot happens, but I'll try my best to be potted rather than potty. In a futuristic room of sleeping men, reminiscent of the sleep chamber of Alien, a scar-faced man awakes, activates a sphere, causing distress to his sleeping companions. He then leaves in the spaceship. We then change scene to St. Seds College, Cambridge, where a young man, Chris Parsons, mistakenly borrows the wrong book from his professor, Cronautis. Nearby, the Doctor and Romana are punting on the cam. They are seen by the scar-faced man, who we will learn is named Skagra, and the Doctor, distracted by voices from the sphere, loses control of the boat in a tunnel. Chris Parsons, with the wrong book, is puzzled by the book's indecipherable text, studies it in his lab, whereupon it starts to smolder. The Doctor and Romana visit Cronautis, who is revealed to be an elderly Time Lord, who retired to a teaching position at Cambridge University and has been occupying the same rooms, unnoticed, 
for centuries. The doctor asks the likeable but absent-minded professor why he called, and eventually Cronautis remembers needing help recovering a Gallifreyan book of immense power, called The Worshipful and Ancient Law of Gallifrey, which reminds the doctor of the notorious Time Lord criminal Salyavin. The doctor heads for Chris's lab, and while Romana looks for milk in the TARDIS to help make tea, Skagra, also after the book, uses his sphere on Cronautis, who falls to the floor. At the lab, the doctor meets Chris's friend, Claire, and has a look at the book. Romana and K9 meet Chris, who has arrived at Professor Cronautis's room, and they try to help Cronautis, but he dies. Skagra catches the Doctor and begins to use the sphere on him, but the Doctor is rescued at the last moment by Romana in the TARDIS. Absent Seds, Cronautis disappears in front of Chris. K9 tracks down the sphere to Skagra's invisible spaceship, manned by Skagra and his coal-based Krog henchmen. Romana, K9 and Chris are taken prisoner, the Doctor is tortured, and his TARDIS is stolen. Meanwhile, Claire fiddles with a control panel in Cronautis' room and causes an explosion. Cronautis appears and says the rooms are a TARDIS. The Doctor pursues the TARDIS in the ship, arrives at the Think Tank space station, where they find elderly zombie-like geniuses. Using Chris's mind to salvage what he can from the others, he learns that Skagra, or Dr. Skagra, set up the think tank, stole their minds, in his bid to become an omnipotent intelligence. Cronautis and Claire use Cronautis's TARDIS to rescue the Doctor and Chris on Skagra's ship, it turns out that Skagra is looking for Salyavin, that Time Lord Master Criminal, and realises that the book's turning pages will take him to the secret Time Lord prison, Sharda, where he will find him. They arrive on Sharda just as Skagra releases the prisoners, and Cronautis is revealed to be Salyavin. The Doctor telepathically fights with Dr. Skagra, who is finally taken prisoner, and that is it. The Doctor and Romana say goodbye to Cronautis and agree not to reveal his secret. That was my interpretation of what happens. I've chosen those words carefully because a lot does happen. The descriptions I read of what happened after I watched it myself disagreed with each other. And my own memories of what happens in what sequence aren't exactly perfect. So I apologise if I've got some of that out of order or I've just completely muffed something. But I don't think I have. I've given you the general gist of what happens correctly 
I think, but if I haven't, let me know. Let us now move on to what I thought. First of all, let me tell you about which version I've watched, because there are a few. I saw the reconstructed 1992 version with Tom Baker, humorously, putting down his fellow thespians and mispronouncing words in the stentoriously delivered fills for the missing scenes. There is also another version, released in 2017, and perhaps another one a little earlier, I'm not quite sure, in the early 2000s. But anyway, the latest one was in 2017, where they replaced the missing scenes with animation and newly recorded dialogue by Tom Baker. But I didn't see that one. I saw the first reconstruction from 1992. At least I think it was 1992. Well, the extra scenes did not look that sophisticatedly filmed. So I'm guessing we are not at the stage where Doctor Who commanded New Who-like budgets. Which was the 2000s and this was the 90s. Okay, I've talked about which version I've watched. Now, let me tell you about some other stuff that I thought. I love Crazy Twists, and the one that reveals the kindly, elderly, tea-making Professor Cronortis to be a master criminal so notorious that he had to be imprisoned in a secret Time Lord prison, Sharda, is absolutely brilliant. I love that. What would have added to the fun was that if Cronautis couldn't even remember who he used to be. But we've seen that many times in New Who. Derek Jacobi's Master, for example. Or even the latest Jodie Whittaker Doctor, of course. Oh man, I'm looking forward to the new Doctor when he finally arrives. That should be quite interesting. I like Jodie Whittaker and I'm looking forward to this new chap as well. Where were we? Oh yeah, crazy twist. Another crazy twist is that Cronautis's TARDIS is his office, and I really love that. It would be great to have a room that was also a spaceship. In fact, I call my podcast studio the TARDIS, and I have done for ages. There was a really excellent TV show in the UK in 1997 called Crime Traveller in which the time machine was similarly a scientist's apartment. There's a great comedic line of dialogue in Crime Traveller when the protagonist, experiencing the flashing lights that accompany time travel, says that he feels he has been photocopied. I think he actually says Xeroxed. Carrying on from that point, the weird shenanigans with Cronautus's TARDIS disguised as rooms, and the room disappearing from St. Seds, confusing Wilkin, the college porter, and its incongruous wooden door appearing in a futuristic setting, are all time and space, time lord, weirdness I really enjoy. I seem to be making a habit of this, but yes, I'm breaking into my own podcast a day later. Because, of course, I've missed something out again. 
and I'm recording this in my car because the house is too noisy during the day. Let's see how this works out. I can hear the traffic in the distance, but hopefully that will be minimised in what you're hearing. Get to the point, Roy. Okay, I just broke in here to tell you about something that is quite key to the plot that we haven't mentioned yet, and that is how Professor Cronautis is seemingly revived from death. He actually says in the dialogue, I am, I was, I will be. It's a time-travel paradox common to Doctor Who. For example, in New Who, Clara, the impossible girl, tangles with the Doctor's past from her future in the name of the Doctor, and paradoxically survives her own death, sort of, Cronautis style, thanks to the Doctor extracting her from her own timeline in Hellbent. So, in a way, Cronautis and Clara have not escaped death at all. They're just travelling around that fixed point in time when they die. But because they can time travel, how long that will last is anybody's question, I suppose. And I suppose, too, that you could count what I'm doing now as a form of time travel, where I'm breaking into my own timeline of my recording. I was very weak. Okay, back to the show. One thing that bugged me a little bit, although I'll probably forgive this faux pas so close to Tal Day, is that Douglas Adams puts himself into the action as he usually does in his creations, in the form of the usual tall, hapless, but also clever, brave and good-natured Englishman, this time played by Daniel Hill. Though I am a fan of Douglas Adams' work, it's a lazy, inaccurate, over-flattering and humble-bragging stereotype that I only somewhat managed to avoid in my own fiction. For example, in the book I wrote The Horus Box, there is a character called Horus, and though there are some aspects of me in him, I am quite definitely not him. He's just not an idealised version of me, but someone who can put up with lots of crap and manage to take it and fight his way through it. I, on the other hand, have consistently proved to be a moaning git. Yeah, I'm not too fond of authors putting themselves into their own work. Maybe as a cameo, that's okay, but as a central character, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like that. This is a minor nitpick, but there is a harmonising group of male students doing the Chattanooga choo-choo in very posh English voices, and that was incredibly annoying. It set my teeth on edge. It was bad. <laughs> Much as I love the Cavalier look, Dr. Skagra's outfit, all in white and silver with that huge white hat, is exceedingly silly. He looks like he should be in a prog rock band if Liberace was into prog rock. 
<laughs> he is not in any way any kind of musketeer. He is not Oliver Reed as Athos. He just looks really bad. It is not a good look for a supervillain. <laughs> Unless you are going for comedy. Which, given Douglas Adams's taste, I wouldn't put that past him, but was he in charge of wardrobe? Probably not. Did he have a say in what Skagra looked like? I don't know. But yeah, that was a bad look for a villain. It did not make me fear him. <laughs> My penultimate point now, I really wanted to see more of Sharda. We get a shot of a model of the exterior of the Time Lord prison perched on the side of a misshapen planetoid, but what would a Time Lord black prison be like? The thought is utterly terrifying. It's bad enough thinking of CIA black prisons and extraordinary renditions, and now we have this secret Time Lord prison. Mm. Interesting and scary. To sum up, I thought the plot and the dialogue of Sharda were intriguing and complex and full of Time Lord lore, which I quite enjoy, and for a change were enough to merit six episodes. If you are a fan of Douglas Adams, you'll recognise... Professor Cronortis as a character from the Dirk Gently series. I read somewhere that Douglas Adams, obviously unsatisfied with his Doctor Who story not being aired, decided to reuse Professor Cronortis, I suppose so that such an interesting and unique character wouldn't go to waste. And finally, here's something from my own past that you might find interesting. Inspired by Cronortis, Seinfeld, films like Cube, in several of the more anonymous jobs I've had in the past, especially in the UK civil service with its stultifying bureaucracy, I speculated on the ease with which a creative-minded person might, through clever use of inter-office mailing, create a completely fictional department, then simply work in that fictional department for years without discovery. Personally, I didn't have the patience and left many of the abysmal places I worked after not so many years. But maybe that's something to think about if you're worried about losing your job. Ah... <laughs> oh. And that, my nerdling friends, looks like it is it for today. Thank God. I thought I'd never finish this one. I really didn't. There was just so much to this story. Ah, oh, man, I need a rest. And I'm going to have a rest. I'm going to continue what I started on Tal Day. And keep reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy right after this. If you want to see some of my photos from Tal Day, <laughs> have a look on Twitter. <laughs> I 
I'm sorry I'm laughing. There is a reason for that. Go and have a look on Twitter. Have a look at my Twitter account. It is at Roy Matur. R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. All very, very silly. And I am so tired now. So tired. My back hurts. My neck hurts. I'm sweating. Let's finish. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Broadcast, for the science fiction, fantasy, and horror aficionado. This was episode 442, recorded on Friday the 27th of May 2022, but ending on Saturday the 28th of May 2022 at... at... At 001224. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye. There's a bloody car going past right when I said bye. I have to say bye again. Bye. Another car. Bye. Bye. There you are. No car. <laughs>